Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. This is that time for the great game with the one and only Matthew Errett. Matthew Errett is with us live in studio. Actually, he's uh, somewhere in Canada, and I'm somewhere in the Midwest, and we're making this happen. We're making it work. Lots of things going on in the world, but first, I want to—I implore you to get over to CanadianPatriot.org and the RisingTideFoundation.net and make sure you go there, check out the websites, and make sure you register because they do often classes on Zoom. Him and his wife, Cynthia, they do classes all the time. They're running all sorts of seminars. Take advantage of it. Take advantage of it. Get to the, get those seminars done, and also get the books. All right, Matthew Eric has some wonderful books out. The Clash of the Two Americas, Volume One and Two, are vital reading to for you to understand everything where we are and the struggle that has been at least for the last almost three hundred years at this point between the closed versus open economic system, and this is what we're seeing even till this day. For you to understand it, make sure you get the book Clash, The Clash of the Two Americas, Volume 1 and Volume 2. The first book is The Unfinished Symphony. The second book is The Closed versus Open Economic Systems. Make sure you get it, because if you don't get it, you're not going to fully understand what the hell is going on today. Also, get a hold of his Substack. Subscribe to his Substack. The links will all be in the description box. Subscribe to the Substack. It is a great way for you to keep abreast of what is happening around the world and to get Matthew's breakdown of the geostrategic game that is being played out in front of all of us. It's very vital and very key that you guys do this. And with that being said, Monsieur Herbert, you are here. Salut, salut, mon ami. Salut. <laughs> all right. Well, Marquis Lafayette's coming to back you up for the revolution. Yeah, that's right. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, but no, actually, there's a, there's going to be a volume three. Cynthia and I are, are putting the finishing touches now on volume three of Clash of the Two Americas. So yeah. next uh, three, four weeks or so, expect that to hit the press as well on the uh, the upcoming Eurasian Manifest Destiny, um, which is going to really focus on the question of Hamiltonian American system economics as it is being revived for the first time since the death of John F. Kennedy in the other side of the Iron Curtain um, with the developments around China's Belt and Road Initiative, around what is going on, especially now um, since the events in Ukraine had really accelerated um, a thousand times over with the denazification. There's going there is, as all of your viewers, I'm sure, are aware uh, a massive fight by the nationalist uh, movement within Russia around Putin to take back full control from the traitors and parasites that have embedded themselves within the Euro- the, the Russian uh, deep state, especially the Russian central bank um, since the early 1990s. I mean, I, I think in some ways this thing was always there since the Bolshevik Revolution. There was yeah. always a fifth column, but it got really virulent um, with the 1990s severing decapitation and rape of Russia. Um, and there was this one figure, Sergei Glaziev, who was the only uh, cabinet mi- minister to resign from the Boris Yeltsin uh, government in the early 1990s over the oncoming privatization and destruction of Russia, 
which he spoke openly about in the early 90s. He was in his 30s at the time. Yeah. Um, so he resigned. He was the only man of principle to do so. And since then, he has been advising Putin. He is the minister of Eurasian integration currently, but he has been kept away from having a direct influence over Russia's central banking policy, which was set up in 1991 as a private IMF uh, Bank of International Settlements connected instrument of of warfare against the Russian people. Mm -hmm. So he's been kept away from having influence until now. And that's why I wanted to uh, start this off with a uh, a little video clip. I've never done a, a screen share. Sure. Um, it, I, is it was... to yeah, share hit... audio? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You share the audio, right? Hit share screen, share audio. Share system audio. Here we are. Okay. Window. There we Do, are. Uh, I think I'm getting it. Tab. Chrome tab. I think I'm getting it. Share. Okay. Can you guys see uh, uh, Vladimir yes. Putin all serious? Yes. Go ahead and play it, buddy. Good. All right. So this is Vladimir Putin just uh, two days ago calling out this uh, Russian fifth column. Um, and we'll say a little bit more about this as we proceed. But this is a good little two-minute blip, uh, which is, I'm sure keeping a lot of these traders up at night. Um, Hmm. So-called gender freedoms. That's not if that's not a an absolute like calling them out, man. Incredible, an absolute rebuke. Yeah, yeah. That they, you know, it's true. I mean, these are these are really uh, house slaves. Uh, I can't use yeah. the, the full word, but everyone knows what I'm talking about. This, this yeah. is really the the Russian variant of it, where you know there were so many of these. 
um, ass lickers who are just empowered and strengthened to become little wannabe ass lickers for the, the city of London and Wall Street financiers in the 90s right. when they were given opportunities to just buy up uh, for pennies on the dollar formerly nationalized Russian assets. And a lot of them were taken back. But these guys became billionaires overnight. And people think of them as like Russian oligarchs, stooges for Putin. That's how our media portrays it. And it's like, no, these guys have always been loyal to the financier oligarchy, um, really just trying to, like he said, would sell their grandmothers to just sit in their hallway of one of these elites, one of these from the higher caste. Um, Like local Brahmins from India, how they were able to, you know, like the the British were able to corrupt an entire uh, network, a whole caste system that would then self-control just so that they would be allowed to maybe sit in the waiting room and have tea with a British lord at some point. Absolutely. That's where we got the whole Anglo-Indian angle from. You know, exactly. oh, we're Anglo Indians. What, what every is country has this this type of encouragement, right? And and that's yeah. the the thing too with the American oligarchy as well. Like, there's a, a documentary I was just watching going through the history of the the J.P. Morgan crowd and the all the way from the 19th century, and how um, they all have their like J.P. Morgan has had a castle um, in um, in in London, and uh, you know these these upper crust Yale wannabe oxford cambridge um ideologues who are like put through the uh the processing machine to to become upper level managers they all like mimic british accents they uh they 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 really want to just be invited to parties with nobles and and royalty and inner blood but they know that they're never going to be allowed to contaminate those upper level blood lines which themselves are you know completely inbred anyway um but you've got a whole sniffling system that that Putin just completely called out in a, in a really fantastic format. Um, and it's not just words, it's real action. So we're seeing now um, behind this, I mentioned Glaziev, right? Glaziev has come out now um, where he is managing a project to create a new alternative financial architecture with a new financial uh, currency. Pepe Escobar wrote about this. It's been on the Russian media. It's completely being blacked out in the West. And it's being done with the Eurasian Economic Union as a whole with China. So these two countries together have set up this new project and it's moving fast. Now you've been the head of the uh, Elvira Nebulina, the head of the Russian Central Bank, who has always been a traitor. Um, She was like a Yale. uh, The Rothschild plant, man. A Rothschild plant. Yeah, she studied at Yale. This girl has been, I mean, whatever she is, has been um, keeping Russia's ruble tied to the floating exchange rates, fighting against capital controls, keeping it tied to speculative assets, and also keeping the the Russian gold as much as possible in foreign banks instead of being uh, contained within Russia itself, making things like what's happened now with the $300 billion confiscation of Russian uh, banking assets uh, possible. And Glaziev just a couple of weeks ago called her out with the whole network that she represents with Spare Bank that's tied to the World Economic Forum, the whole uh, depopulation crowd. He called them all out essentially as traitors. Um, So you have a complete... Uh, restructuring going on, nationalization of different uh, traitor, traitor, traitorous, treacherous media treacherous. operations sure. that were uh, created to promote liberalism. And, and just, you know, that's like Xi Jinping pointed out uh, a few months ago when he clamped down on this, uh, this effeminization of men, the uh, the worshiping of celebrityism, the addiction to violent video games and other things targeting the young. This has been a whole cultural modern opium war of the spirit that has the, de- the, the, the designed effect of turning uh, target societies, especially their young, mushy and incapable of maturing 
to become adults and thus leaders of the next generation. That's what this whole thing has been about, which is why China clamped down on a lot of this stuff. And that's what now is going on uh, with Russia taking back controls of a lot of the mechanisms that influence culture. Um, so it's very important that people pay attention to a lot of this stuff. Very important. Um, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, I just want to start with that. There's a lot of other things. Yeah, that, that, that's a key, you know, that, that, that's a, a, a cannon shot out of the gate because, you know, the Russian central bank and a lot of people don't realize is when they kept the ruble pegged to a floating rate, uh, they've made it vulnerable for currency attack. They made mm-hmm. it vulnerable for those who are playing in the Forex market, which we know that the U.S. uses as an absolute weapon to punish countries that allow their currencies to free float within the Forex markets. And this is what we're seeing happening. So getting rid of her and already I think this morning when I looked, the ruble is starting to rise. This is a good thing. It's a very good thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the fact that, I mean, the Rupert, what, what people are, are seeing as well is that Russia is not hurting nearly as much as they thought it was going to by all of these sanctions, kicking so many of its banks out of SWIFT. Um, what you're seeing are completely other markets that we already knew were there. I mean, you and I, and I knew you, uh, I mean, this is something you've been talking about for a long time. The, the Chinese have one of the most robust growth models in world history Correct. and they are more than happy to work with russia and supply fill the void of the the lost business um in terms of selling gas petrol uh coal other rare earths whatever else i mean palladium everything that russia needs to sell to maintain its uh its economy china is more than willing to help out buy and also invest in turn with uh building new pipelines new infrastructure and and other things that that Putin and Glaziev and Lavrov and Shoigu and others have been pushing for for a long time. And the only thing that's been holding back things like the the great northern vision, the polar Silk Road, the Arctic branch of the, the Belt and Road Initiative. The only thing which has been like putting sand in the gears has been this foreign agency manipulating the central bank of Russia. Uh, China doesn't have that problem because China never allowed their their central banks to be privatized. So they have four major state banks and many other smaller banks and corporations that are all affiliated with the national interest that are able to emit bonds, to emit investments tied to projects that make things happen really quickly. Um, And they're willing They're They've made a point to all countries willing to work with them on the BRI, including the USA, who just on March 4th, China made yet another offer uh, to the USA to just say, hey, look. You got your your clean green initiative, your build back better for the world. You're trying to put this in opposition to the BRI. Don't do that. Look, let's just make this work. Just just work with our rules of the game. We'll we'll synthesize both of these things. It'll be in everybody's best interest. And uh, and of course, of course, the technocratic Malthusian elite uh, pretended those those words were not said. Um, but they're willing to export this growth model, this method of doing banking to every other country. Uh, that wants to survive. And Russia is, is number one right now on the list, even, and it's so persuasive, it's so effective at getting the job done, at building things that that improve the lives of the people, but also make really good business to, um, paybacks. So people even within the, the upper crust business class get massive incentive by investing in the sorts of BRI connected projects such that we even have a basket case corrupt place like Saudi Arabia. Correct. Not even picking up the phone when Biden is calling them begging to uh, to get extra oil imports because, you know, what are they going to do with the shutdown of, of Russian oil? 
and the utilization of all of their oil reserves that Trump had filled over the course of a few years, that's all being drained down and depleted. They got no backup. Um, so Saudi Arabia is not even picking up the phone and instead has has announced that they're going to allow the settlement of oil deals from this point forward in Chinese yuan instead of the U.S. dollar, which breaks the entire post-1973 U.S. dollar, uh, U.S. petrodollar, which has been the foundation of international currency. The thing that has stopped the U.S. economy in, largely, in, in, in large measure from melting down has been that everybody has to conduct international oil trades with, with OPEC countries in U.S. dollars. Um, that's over. That's ending. And I mean, the, the implications of this have still yet to be realized by a lot of idiot economists in the West. Um, but I mean, this whole thing was a fraud. It shouldn't even existed. Like when you go back to 1973, William Engdahl, who's a researcher, yeah. um, has written a lot on this, has, has made the, the point really well that this was a Henry Kissinger operation. And I want you to play that video soon. Yeah. Um, thank you. Um, But this was something which Henry Kissinger initiated after the U.S. dollar was removed from the gold reserve fixed exchange rate system in the USA, which then tied it to the floating markets the same way that Russia has been kept crippled and has been unable to emit the type of large scale credit with capital controls the way China has been able to uh, for building things. That's what the U.S. used to be able to do that before the dollar was put onto floating exchange rates, which destroyed the stability that we had from 19, really 1945 with the creation of the Bretton Woods system, the GATT, the world, you know, everything that Roosevelt had set into play, which was designed to destroy the ability of the empire to speculate on small currencies, especially the US, but everyone by fixing ex- exchange rates so that you had a relative security knowing what the relative values of currencies were going to be in a year, in three years, in five years, in 10 years. So you could build, if you want to build things that get a lot of real durable wealth, that that means thinking about mega projects the way John F. Kennedy was doing with the space program, with the building of dozens of major hydroelectric dams, both Mm. in the USA, but also in Africa and Ghana and South America. So that's the way to do it. But to build those things, you, you can't have a wildly unstable fluctuating market where you don't know what the value next quarter is going to be of your currencies because the speculator could go and just uh, commit economic terrorism. So that stability was destroyed in 1971 and it was made even worse with this tying the US dollar's value to the the, the value of, of oil produced yeah. by OPEC countries um, in 1973, which then, I mean, you know, on the spot markets, everyone knows this now on the futures markets, you could easily just manipulate the prices where everyone is doing trading uh, manipulating the prices of oil, which can go up to, you know, 80, 90, a hundred dollars. But the actual cost of making a barrel of oil, um, is maybe three, $4 max. Mm, right. Right. So the, isn't that the, crazy, the, man? It's nuts. It's totally nuts. It has no yeah. bearing physical reality whatsoever. Correct. Correct. No. Go ahead, Matt. Oh, want me to play the video? Um, yeah, no, not yet. Okay, not, not yet. Okay. Um, it's just so funny. It's so funny, but here we have to tie it in, make it make it organic, though. Mm. Um, so, what type of what type of psychological basket case would think that this is a good idea? That's it. <laughs> the, 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 Only a Biden could think this was a good idea. Well, we have a message from the president. I heard uh, that you do. Okay, what, what did the, what did the president have to say? He has, it's a special message from the president himself. Let me just refresh this. My fellow geraniums, the President Minister of Canada, 
Jesse Drumbone has been killed by trucks. He'll be sorely missed. Not only was he the first black guy Pez minister, he was a great American. And also, also a, a great Muslim guy. Our farts and prayers go out to the fact. Not, not, not our, our farts. Look, look, there's these trucks. They transform. First, I sent Vice Principal Canola Hair up to the planet of the truck people to open a dialogue with Ostomus Prime. Second, I've asked Congress to increase my dosage of talkie pills. And finally, I've approved emergency funding to distribute free crack pipes to every man, woman, and trans Jenga. Tell us stay alert for when the truck people. <laughs> they got maple syrup for blood, man. Kyle Dunnigan does awesome work. <laughs> oh my god, that's brilliant! That's brilliant! Oh my god, and it's not that far off. That's really what's no. going on. <laughs> Canola Harris, <laughs> press minister <laughs> Jesse Trumbo. Uh, he's a uh, good Muslim. Our trucks, prayers. These trucks transform. We're gonna have a meeting with Optimus Prime. Yeah, no, it was great. That was really good. Oh, uh, man, more of that. Uh, but see, that's the thing, right? Like, you have such an inability to just see the absurd, to self-reflect. If you're in the mindset of one of these um, synthetic personalities who are installed, there's a complete inability to do this very basic human thing, which is self-reflect upon your own folly. They cannot do that. And, um, you know, this, this actually reminds me, I, I was thinking about, obviously, Justin Trudeau calling uh, anybody who has doubts about the uh, the medical narratives uh, that have been pushed over the last two years as being misogynistic and racist. And yet this is a guy who openly, I mean, openly, it came out into the open, was running around in parties as blackface, um, meeting with actual Nazis like uh, Andre Perubi who is a major force behind the Azov Battalion um, and Svoboda Party, came and did photo ops with Justin Trudeau, an open Nazi, like people who, you know, these people carry around swastikas today. Mm -hmm. um, and they're doing photo ops together in 2016, 17, 18, uh, doing arms deals, celebrating these characters as if they're heroes. And, um, and they have no ability to self-reflect on their own. Um, they still, despite that, will still call Putin a Nazi. Um, and that this is a replay of World War II, what's going on in Ukraine, despite the fact that the actual Nazis that are there today, it's true there are Nazis, but they're the ones who are fighting in Mariupol using human shields. Um, there's videos of these of these Azov groups taking naps in daycares. Uh, oh, yeah. You see this, right, floating yeah. around, where they're actually like, they're taking naps in daycares because they feel safe there, uh, partially because they're they probably have infantile egos that never grew up. And partly because they know that the West will treat any assault on a daycare, even though there is no kids in it, as being an immediate um, attack by the Russians on children. So they're 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 cool bunking down in these places. Um, but the one thing that I really wanted to show, I got a I got an image here, which is uh, wildly interesting. Here I'm just gonna open it up um, from Ukraine. This is a uh, a Ukrainian government. Um, here it is ad promoting a no-fly zone called the Close the Sky Movement. So they want really badly for NATO to conduct a no-fly zone over Ukraine, despite the fact that that's an immediate um, recipe for World War III. And their ad that these uh, these groupings have produced, these brilliant geniuses, uh, 
is the following. And so they, they have the outlines, these maps of six different Ukrainian cities. And inside of each of the, the maps, you have photographic evidence of cities from World War II, a couple of cities from World War II that were bombed, of which Berlin, Dresden are there on the left. Um, the, now, what makes this completely absurd is that they're saying, what are the, what's the messaging here? If you don't do a no-fly zone, this is going to end up, these cities are going to look like Dresden, uh, uh, Berlin in World War II. Yeah. Now, there's a layer, There's layers of irony that the makers of this poster are incapable of identifying. Number <laughs> one is that these are Nazi cities. So you're basically saying, like, we're just like these Nazi cities that got bombed in World War II, um, even though we're not Nazis, of course. That's the Russians. <laughs> Which Wouldn't itself be too far is funny. From the truth, right? <laughs> then number two is that uh, in the case of at least Dresden, this city was bombed unnecessarily by the British uh, that bombed this this city, killing tens of thousands of civilians unnecessarily in world at the end of World War II. There was no point to bombing Dresden and and destroying this cultural center of the world. Um, so again. You're basically saying, help us, Britain, Anglo-American financier oligarchy, from doing what you did to us, or what you did to Germany in World War II. Mm. Um, and again, they're, they're directly comparing themselves to Nazi Germany. So, Sick. again, no ability to self-reflect or self-criticize, uh, and because there's no awareness of real history at all in any of these characters. So Sick. it's uh, quite something. No, it, 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 it's remarkable, and, and it's funny because... It's the Nazis that are controlling Ukraine, telling Westerners protect us, otherwise we're going to wind up like Nazi Germany. <laughs> it's so it's, it's so you, over the top. You saw the, uh, just... the the video of Zelensky addressing Congress and Congress standing up, giving him a standing ovation, like he's some sort of great hero. I mean, yeah. Western politicians, not only are they the, the the octogenarian ruling elites, these these people are morons. They are victims of their own fantasy, man. And there's nothing more dangerous than believing your own lie, believing your own bullshit, believing your own fantasy. There's nothing worse. I know. And you got so many generals being brought out as talking heads in the media and on CNN, uh, even Fox News across the board being brought out saying that we can win a nuclear war with Russia. I've seen already like four or five of these generals actually promoting this idea that, yes, we should absolutely send u.s troops we should set up a no-fly zone um we should supply more weapons and including nato weapons uh to ukraine regardless of the fact that we acknowledge that they cannot actually win um against the russian army which is far superior but we should do this and if it does come to a, an all-out fight between russia and nato and, and it goes nuclear that's fine too we can win that as well and these guys have no bearing in reality i doubt that any of them have actually seen combat in any direct way Maybe in a in a war room far removed from a battlefield of Iraq, maybe, but even that I highly doubt. Um, never won a war. Who are these haven't... expert generals? And and the American strategy on land warfare is probably one of the worst in the world. I mean, they, the the American military will get rolled over and mauled to death. It will be the equivalent of sending a, ch a chihuahua in to fight against a, an angry pit bull. It's not going to mm -hmm. work. You know, the Americans take time. They like to build up forces, and then they create. Then they bomb with aerial superiority, and then they try to do a, a, what's called a kill box. Well, the last mm -hmm. 20, 30 years, Russians have been figuring out oh, how to how to easily Chinese as well how to mm -hmm. easily take a kill box that the Americans create, 
and transform the kill box into a coffin and then bury the Americans in it. Mm. These, but these generals don't they don't do that because our mentality in this country is called run to failure. That's what I've been calling for years. Run to failure. If the oceans of the world were to dry up tomorrow, we would still be building submarines. That's just the way it is because that's just the way we do things. This is America. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're not going to change tactics. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, there's this this um, movie by Mike Judge from 2006 called uh, Idiocracy. You, you ever seen that? Oh, one? God, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy at this point. Yeah, I mean, it's cynical, but it's it's all it's hilarious. And it's a logical extension of what we've it's like a parody, but it's it's a logical parody of, of the continuation of this sort of logic. And I mean, these are people 500 years or whatever it is in the future. Um, which where society has gotten extremely dumbed down. This is presuming that society can linearly extend indefinitely on this rate of stup- stupidification for 500 years, which it cannot. But whatever, that's the point of the of, of fiction, right? So this this guy is in like a cryogenic chamber by accident. He wakes up 500 years in the future, and he's a dumb guy in our present age, kind of yeah. mediocre. But in that future age, he's seen as a genius because he could tie his shoelaces, and uh, people just see him like he he quickly becomes the advisor to the president. Uh, who's like this World Wrestling Federation, you know, dude, <laughs> uh, which again is not that far off from where we're at today, right? Where you have like right. Zelensky, a, a second rate comedian, um, who's the, installed as president, and Governor Schwarzenegger was just the governor of the biggest, you know, one of the biggest economic engines of the US for uh, quite a few years. So we're not that far off. We got Biden in there, frankly. I mean, right there, it's not that far off from an idiot uh, world re- Worldwide Wrestling Federation wrestler. Um, so, and he's like, he's assigned to try to figure out the problem of the food crisis going on in the world in the future. And uh, basically I'll just spoil it. I don't care. Uh, He finally comes to the realization. Everyone loves Gatorade in this. You can't get water in this future society. Every, every uh, sink has Gatorade Gatorade. coming out of it. The best reason (laughs) why when he, when he's trying to get, why is Gatorade coming out of the faucets everywhere? The reasoning he could get is because there's electrolytes. And somewhere along the way, a few, uh, two, three hundred years earlier, the Gatorade company had taken over control of, of much of global agriculture and governments and uh, replaced water with its product. And uh, and finally, he realizes, wait a minute, we're spraying Gatorade on all of the world's uh, farmland. Why don't we just use water instead? And it's this controversial idea, but it ultimately saves the day. Uh, but you know, we've been doing this. Our grandfathers did this. Our great grandfathers did this. We've always done it this way. Why would we do it any other way? It works. Doesn't it kind of sprouts a few beans. Um, and, um, <laughs> yeah, it's really that, like you said, if the world's oceans dried up, we'd still be making submarines. It's, it's yeah. completely absurd. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's such a fact. We'll still be making submarines and we'll form a bucket, a, a bucket brigade to have people throw water on it. Yeah. It's just the way it works from a fire hydrant around the block to the docks where the submarine is. Mm-hmm. Well, I was thinking a little bit too about you know just the the inability to um to have any consistent connection mentally to reality because everything is about perception which changes like the the winds you know like uh, all of a sudden what's true one year all is no longer true the next year in the current climate of this oligarchical system where everyone is just supposed to think truth is what they feel your feelings Correct. are your access to truth and um, I was watching another uh, clip of Biden um, today saying, you know, when he's asked, would you call Putin a war criminal? He's like, yes, absolutely. Yes. Putin's a war criminal. And then you flash back 20 years into the past, right after the bombing of, of Iraq uh, began. Yep. And you have Biden in Congress or Senate, whatever, saying, I was the one who was the most 
the loudest supporter of the bombing of Belgrade, Belgrade. in 1999. Yep. I called for the bombing of bridges of infrastructure. I did that. He I'm strong. Slaughtered the, the, the Christian Balklands, bro. Slaughtered it. Yeah. Like, he's basically admitting to being a war criminal directly. Thousands of innocent civilians were killed in that NATO war that was done illegally outside of the UN Security Council in 1999 against Yugoslavia. Yep. Um, complete fallacious reasoning behind it. Well, Russia and China both vetoed uh, it. Hold on, hold on, Matthew. Uh, you said it was a fallacious. It wasn't a fallacious thing. It was a, it was a fallatio thing. That's what the reason <laughs> was, Matthew. Uh, I'm not going to go into about Monica and the blue dress, but it was a fallatio thing, not a fallacious thing. But see, it's all semantics, eh? Like, these guys will just take a little word, and they'll just, yeah. like, nitpick on a word, and then have you forget what the whole argument was about. Classic uh, MLP, man. Completely, yeah, just reframing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You thought you were telling a lie, but what is lie? It could be lying down. It all it could, depends on what you know, the, the opposite of standing is, up. So how could you not be standing up and like, right. and all of a sudden you're, you think you're talking about like gravity or something and you just, you you know, have just Matthew, acquiesced to bombing a country. Uh, what works for me is I always say this. I said, uh, it all depends on what the definition of is, is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or like Rumsfeld saying, oh yeah, weapons of mass destruction in in Iraq. Well, you know, there there's... There's unknowns and there's known unknowns, and then the unknown unknowns, and then the known unknown unknown unknowns, and uh, and you get into so many like negations that you just you just turns his opponent's brains to jelly, and they forget why they're there. And then again, we've just bombed Iraq. <laughs> uh, Unbelievable. Uh, yeah. Wild. Unbelievable. Just wild. Uh, yeah. There's so many points. I mean, it, it's it's a really tough period, right, in some ways to keep track of the, the global developments because it is so fast paced across the board. Um, and there's just so much absurdity. But I think it's just really important to just take a step back and realize that, no, look, we have. We're at the end of a system, right, and we have this this uh, purge going on in, in Eurasia, a new uh a new global economic security system is being brought online. China is currently, I mean, George Soros has called for a regime change coup d'etat to oust Xi Jinping. Um, These people in his speech at the Hoover Institute, people who think in in those terms are trying to maintain the idea that the Chinese elite, and there are bad guys in the elite. Of course, there are bad guys. And that's what, what Xi Jinping has been going to war with since 2012, the same way Putin has been going to war with this thing since 1999. Um, but he's making the point that they're all, they hate Xi Jinping, they're ready to overthrow him, and they're creating these fantasies and fictions and narratives for their followers, um, where they're they're trying to maintain these lies, like China's whole economy, Soros said this, is their whole economy is tied to their real estate speculative Evergrande yeah. uh, bubble, which, of course, it's a bubble, it was mismanaged, it was bad, it's really big, it's true, those are bad things. But that is not the cause or engine of China's growth. That's incompetent. They're just looking at monetary flows. They're not looking at the fact that China has the ability to build anything you want. They produce something like 40 times more concrete than the U.S. does. Um, Oh, yeah, massive. I I mean, uh, steel, industrial steel is being processed at the greatest rates in history. They have international networks and cooperative treaties with other countries. Um, that are all based on physical economic development. And people are being pulled out of poverty at faster rates. They still have not healed 
from the trauma of the one child policy, which was brought to them not by China. That was brought to them by people like Henry Kissinger and the Club of Rome, which had set up the World Economic Forum um, in 1971. This is the thing that was brought into China in the late 70s as one of the terms to allow China to access factories and manufacturing that China needed if they were going to deal with their poverty issue. And that was done in the condition that they adopt these computer models as their regulators for their, their population. And so they acquiesced. That was a mistake. It resulted in a, in, a, in a travesty. But the Chinese leadership and the nationalists know that. And they've been working really hard to heal from those wounds. Um, so they're still a negative population. They can't replenish their population yet. It's getting better year to year. But they're still under the replication, the reproduction rates needed to have a growing population, which is, like, you know, 2.1 children, whatever that means, per uh, per, per couple. Um, so they're, I think, at 1.5 or something like that. It's still, yeah. still quite low. Uh, but they've alleviated the two child. It's now it went up to two children in uh, 2015. It went up to, to three children last year. It's going up um, probably with no limit uh, very shortly. We don't know in the next five, 10 years, maybe sooner. Who knows? Things are moving fast. Uh, Russia as well. In the 1990s, they went into negative population growth. They lost like, you know, 300,000. 300, uh, uh, no, more than the millions. No, it was, it was many more millions of people lost in the, the 1990s. Um, they're recovering, but it's still slow going. So yeah. now with the complete break from this uh, Malthusian monetarist uh, behemoth controlled by the Anglo-American oligarchs, we don't know how fast the rate of growth can be. It probably is going to be a lot faster than, than people realize if we can avoid the oncoming danger of, a, of an actual war. But um, but there's a, a, a huge fight. And I mean, it is good that the the, the World Economic Forum has cut off Russia Right. So they thought that they had a handle on being able to reabsorb Russia. They've currently given up on that fantasy. The spare bank, which is tied to Nabulina mm -hmm. uh, from the central bank, that she worked directly for the spare bank before that. The head of the spare bank, Hermann Greff, is a World Economic Forum uh, acolyte. He's been the one bringing in the with Tatiana uh, Golikova, the, the deputy prime minister. Um, who was formerly the health minister. She's been the one overseeing Russia's uh, COVID uh, health protocols, yeah. bringing also all of the the entire big pharma complex, which is tied to the, the Gates AstraZeneca network that's been brought into Russia. That's been heard, this whole deep state network. Um, and up until now, they've been getting a lot of what they wanted. And now that's all being cut off. So World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab just declared Putin enemy number one, erased all ah. traces of Putin. Uh, his speeches from past Davos summits, that's been cut off. Um, you have Jack Ma, many of these World Economic Forum trustees. And again, Jack Ma, the, the Bill Gates of China. He's uh, another one of these World Economic Forum trustees like Christia Freeland. Um, he's been uh, taken down completely, restripped of all of his uh, influence politically and even economically in many ways. Alibaba, the thing that he was uh, running, has been uh, taken down. Um, so is the ant group that he also runs. Yeah. Um, the thing has been largely, it's still operational, still a very useful thing, but he doesn't run it. He's been put in his mansion with his swing pool. He's been told, you know, spend a few of your millions, uh, you know, have your cocktails, but you're not, you're not having any of that influence, especially since he called for the economic overthrow of the, uh, the Chinese banking system last year. He's so, the, the guy is flirting with disaster. Yes. Uh, he, he uh, and, and, no. and, and it also amazes me. That they haven't taken him out and 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 put a put an end to the guy, which was most people would would expect. Yeah, but what they're doing I mean, there's is a lot of self restraint. Them... There's yeah, a lot there's of a I mean, I think tremendous amount of self restraint. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, they've they've taken down. He had a bunch of uh, monuments to himself, statues in various office buildings. That I heard they were like giant heads. Like giant heads, like bob- yeah, massive head. He likes, he actually gets off on the fact that he has such a big head yeah. and even wants it exec- uh, accentuated in the uh, the artistic portraitures of <laughs> him. such an idiot. Uh, Living yeah. bobblehead doll, this guy. <laughs> even though like 80% of it is skull, he doesn't care. It looks... It's mostly like bone. You, you ever saw the interview between him and Elon, Elon Musk? Musk literally like looked at him like, are you, are you an idiot? <laughs> are you stupid? <laughs> it was really? hilarious, man. That's funny. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I don't have, yeah, I don't have high regard for Elon Musk, but at the same time, if a guy, uh, if an autistic guy who's like, or Asperger, sorry, if a guy like, like Elon Musk, who is, I think, pretty stupid, uh, thinks that you're stupid, you're really stupid. Um, but um, yeah, no, this whole thing is being taken down and this whole apparatus, this whole deep state fifth column penetration is being removed in China. Um, and that's really, really important. So the fact that you now have, again, Saudi Arabia even getting on board, you have Iran, you have Russia. Um, they haven't still an open door policy, despite the fact that we've spit in their face again and again. Um, they still have an open door to invite, uh, those who wish to survive from the West to be a part of this different economic, uh, process for the future. So, you know, we don't have that much time to choose and decide and dilly dally. I know that, uh, uh, you know, the banking collapse is something which is they, they came close to pulling the plug when they were freezing all of the bank accounts in Canada and uh, they ha- nearly had a complete chain reaction bank run. The time wasn't ripe, so they pulled back on that. They freaked out. They decided to, you know, alleviate some of the provincial mandates and, and release the frozen bank accounts and the people who were, who were arrested. But uh, that trigger point is still uh, something in their calculus. So it's something to keep in mind. And if we are going to have a future, we got to work with them. Um, I'm just so sorry. I just got a, a call. Um, I, I have to do yeah. a very big conference call in about no five problem. minutes. Yeah, that's I'm fine. So that's sorry. fine. Yeah, that's fine. Matt, thank you, bro, for coming on board. I know it's uh, this this week's been crazy. We're supposed to be here on Tuesday and we couldn't do it. But yeah. it's been crazy. So, dude, it's definitely so next week. Let's, let's connect back on. Thank you again for showing up. Uh, folks, Matt's website, go check it out, CanadianPatriot.org, RisingTideFoundation.net. And with that being said, we're over and out. Bye.